This is the one with literally all the mascara in the world. A materialization flip-flop. And precariously stacked boxes of fragile content. It's called Warriors of the Deep. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen, Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Tontarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read all night shoes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? What up, podcast land, and welcome to yet another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Dang right, this is a Doc Past, because we are back with yet another classic serial for your oral delight. <laughs> Holy smokeroodies and cheesecakes, who are we though? Well, I am Leon, but I am but 50% of Team Who Back When tonight, because I have the, the esteemed privilege of gazing across the ether upon my screen at the absolutely freaking awesome-tastic chap named Jim. Hello, Jim. Why, that's an introduction. Yes, it is me. <laughs> hello. Hello, Leon. <laughs> hello, Podcast Land. It's Jim. Back again. Hello, hello. It's been a while. I'm a little out of shape. Uh, what will we be talking about tonight, Podcast Land? Well, <laughs> here you go. We will be talking about Warriors of the Deep. An underwater base under siege kind of thing, which it turns out very divisive. <laughs> uh, Jim, high level, did you enjoy this serial? As I finished watching this serial, my summary of it to Marie, in terms of me having watched it, not actually the content, was that was quite a chore to get through. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Take that as yeah. you will. <laughs> sure. This was possibly the first time that I have really only had it on in the background for like swathes <laughs> like, I, I was doing other stuff for certain chunks of it not i mean not whole episodes or whatever but clearly oh here are two minutes of them just running down corridors yeah i'm gonna do something else while i <laughs> while i watch that quote unquote watch that <laughs> yeah I, I don't blame you mm. okay well let's get into the nitty-gritty of this but before we do how about we uh, slice dice and summarize this bad boy for anyone out there in podcast land who isn't familiar with warriors of the deep let's do that Time for us to synopsize, lurbify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. In the not-too-distant future, far below an unnamed ocean of ours, an underwater base is about to be under siege. As a bunch of disillusioned Silurians reawaken the slowest-moving gang of sea devils to somehow orchestrate intercontinental nuclear war. Well, right smack in the middle of it all, Doc and Co. materialize, and with little other than their wits, must wade battle against a lumbering dinosaur creature and the human spies who have infiltrated the base. Wow! Who knew dumpsters could catch fire underwater? Beastcow over. You are welcome. <laughs> you most certainly are. So, <laughs> Jim Cakes, so many questions. So many <laughs> questions. <laughs> I have a few myself as well. <laughs> oh, um, why don't do you, you want to start, start us off with... No, you, you must have a, a good opener. I feel it. Here's an, a nice easy one to start us off with in that case. Didn't Doc used to have this robot companion called Chameleon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I was about halfway through the serial when I realized, oh yeah, wait, what happened to that dude? I just like completely blanked on him. Wait, have you looked him up? Have we done something stupid? I, I think we must have talked about this here. the last time that he turned up, but I, I don't feel like we've ever said, oh, this is the last time that he appears. Because, yeah, I'm sure we we discovered that Kameen only appeared in like two serials, maybe, maybe three, I don't know. Something and like I just assumed it would be the next one. And then I totally yeah. forgot about it entirely. <laughs> But no, it's, I think it might be in the next serial. But yeah, so we've had this, the special, which you can kind of hand wave as, oh, okay, it's a bit different. They um, sure. they can they can leave Chameleon out of that one by some temporal thing. Like, Doc didn't leave exactly at the same time that we last saw him or something like that. For the, sure, like yeah. Doctor no, special. That makes sense, I think. But yeah, this one, yeah, you're damn right. Where the fuck's Chameleon? <laughs> but so this is not the last... I mean, we haven't seen the last of him, right? He no. will return at some point. Okay. Yeah, right. definitely. Well, I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. So I look forward to him returning. Well, I mean, I say I look forward to him returning. I look forward to him returning and them trying to ham-fist an explanation into the <laughs> into the episode. Especially in this episode as well, because they have a bunch of the base guards, whatever you want to call them, go into the TARDIS. And you know, so we have a brief thing yeah. in the TARDIS where Chameleon could have been in another room or whatever. Yeah. But then they go and like explore the TARDIS a bit, and it's like, oh yeah, and we didn't find any robots. <laughs> Is that how they're gonna like explain it afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> how about this? They finally get rid of Turlow, and they say, well, actually, Turlow died several serials ago. It's just been Chameleon posing as Turlow this entire time. Oh my god, I would love it if they did that. Oh, yeah. oh, please, please. <laughs> I mean, just killing Turlo <laughs> off in general, but, you know. <laughs> that'd be, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd, I'd be fine with that as well. Okay, Do well, you want thank to you very much. I feel like that's uh, somewhat elucidated me. Uh, your <laughs> turn. Mean, uh, really? Pong my ping. Well, let's, um, how about we stay on Turlo? Because okay. the, the, the kind of questions I have around him are, A, is this the most asshole he's ever been? But also, <laughs> B, is this the most caring and... Um, I don't know, interactive on behalf of his companions ever been. <laughs> but that wasn't a sentence. Oh, yeah, that's true. Imagine, yeah. imagine those words There's in a, a way that made sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's a super valid point. There's like a really sharp contrast between how few shits he gives about Doc dying, for example, yeah. and how ready he is to take up arms in the defense of what's her face tegan yeah there's a couple of times i think he does intervene like he's wrestling with guards or like i don't know it's just it's real literal two-face of of turlo yeah. like <laughs> half the time he's just abandoning uh, them at a drop of a pen no i think i i'm really sorry i i have a solid theory here it is not just a one two-faced guy it is two literal faces one of them is chameleon <laughs> There's two characters on yeah. walking around. You mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would explain. Okay, it. So, <laughs> could it be that he literally thought that Doc was that far gone that just touching the water would be enough to kill him, and that there's that actually him preventing Tegan from diving in after Doc is him also being caring, like he's he cares about Tegan's well-being? Because I'm pretty sure that like the water tank around a nuclear power plant. You know, like the, I, I know nothing about this stuff, but you, you know how, like, whenever you see a nuclear power plant in the news or in a Bond movie, there's always a water tank and, like, bubbly rods inside there. Pretty sure if you dipped your finger in that, your dick would fall off. Like, that is, 
a million percent not drinkable water. I uh, I, don't know. I was very confused what this setup was. Because when you see Doc fall in and you have Toa's reaction, it's almost like they are saying, yeah, Doc's a goner. It's, it's a radioactive room. So like, I wasn't even sure if that was water, if it was some weird other type of liquid. Like he's just going to... Yeah. Like, uh, He's gonna toxic inve- Avenger. <laughs> yeah, but seeing the next scene, I think I can't. Was this the cliffhanger? I think it maybe it was actually. So the start of the next se- uh, episode, Doc's just happily swimming away. So either yeah. it's a Time Lord hand wave, or it's just water and it's fine. Um, Doesn't he but also he... just like float around like a dead person at the end of part one though? Yeah, a little bit, I think. I guess Do you think this is Doc's subterfuge? Oh, sorry. Oh, I see. Do you reckon maybe it, there's a bit of subterfuge on his part as well, where he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm going to make them think that I'm all nuclear and dead and gross." Maybe. I mean, it's a lot of a stretch to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> reach the scriptwriter halfway. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what are yeah. what are these scenes of Turlo's that express extreme mindfulness? Heartfulness. I don't know if you ever get like heartful, but uh, there's there's the thing basically where Doc and Tegan get locked in with the Merka because Tegan's been trapped oh, yeah. by the world's wobbliest door. Love it. I love <laughs> his entire base. <laughs> I mean, th- that whole setup in in general is particularly low budget <laughs> Doctor Who, even for low budget Doctor Who, is quite incredible. That's <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, anyway, they're, so they're shut in, and you've got the commander talking to whoever the other officer is. I, I'm going to have to refer to names in a little bit, because I've forgotten everyone's name, and I wrote them down and still forgot them. Oh, but, I only you know, know two names, and they're Merkin and Cervix. That's the... Oh, and Maddox. <laughs> Maddox. Yeah, Maddox I got quite quickly, actually. Yeah. That was... Because they said it all the fucking time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> What's Maddox doing? Hey, Maddox, come over here. No, Maddox, don't do that. Maddox, go back. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. No, sorry. They, so you were saying, yeah. They get orders, basically, to seal off the room that yeah, Doc and Tegan are in with the Merka. And Turlo screams no. Doesn't do much beyond that over the radio. But then, think, yeah, gets a gun off a guard. Or he tries to basically physically stop them from locking it and then grabs a gun and legs it. I think I think that's all in that one scene. But either way, you know, he's... He did show. He showed that he cared about That's pretty action, man. His yeah. companions, yeah, yeah. Rather than, oh wait, you've fallen in some water. You must be dead. Let's Scooby Doo out of here. <laughs> I think he also cares a bit about the um, ancillary characters aboard this base because at some point, I don't know if this is just to Tegan, but I want to say that at some point he says to Tegan and to at least one other person there, we should go to the TARDIS. There we will all be safe. Something like that. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I d- Again, it's it's never quite heartful. It's more like, well, you're here, so I guess you could come too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and then seconds later, Tegan is saying, but we can't just abandon everyone else. Like we need to fix this situation because they're going to basically cause a world, well, a world destroying event because everyone's going to find themselves yeah. at each other. Yeah, your idea of running into the TARDIS does not help that situation. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but he doesn't seem to care about that that much, right? Not in that instance, no. <laughs> no. What about Tian? Undecided. I feel like I feel like a lot of this now. Now it's kind of like rolling around my head. Everyone was just a bit, bit of a wobble. Like 
Tegan <laughs> had some good moments like that where, you know, showing her character of trying to be useful and trying to prevent bad things from happening. Like, that's what we would mm-hmm. expect from her, I think. But then her and Doc had a load of weird exchanges where she was not necessarily antagonizing him, but, you know, like she was fed a line of dialogue that was just a little bit snarky or just very clipped. And then Doc would overreact and be a bit of an asshole to her. You know, that, I don't know, it was just, did you not get that feeling as well? Like, I didn't really pay that much attention to their rapport in this one. I do think I know what you're getting at, though. Is there just a slightly different kind of dynamic between... As in, like, Doc's role in this is slightly different. There's not as much problem-solving and there's not as much exploration in this serial as there normally is. So we're left with a a Doctor-companion relationship that, just between the two of them, they're John McClane. You know, no one gets to be Mm. clever, basically. I mean, does the last line of the doc kind of sum it all up? There should have been another way. I mean, who else was thinking that at the end of this serial? Yes, yes, you could have done a lot of things very, very differently generally better. Doc is, I mean, his motivations, his ethics, I would call them into question because he goes, this should have been done differently because he feels like there's some non-violent option to resolve the situation that they ought to have opted for. But he's like super happy to kill the Merkin, for example. And when they have the, um, the, the chemical, the gas, whatever it is, he's like, yeah, no, I mean, we absolutely can't use that on the Silurians and the Sea Devils. That would be inhumane. Yeah, but they might kill us. Oh, yeah, use it. And then he's just entirely in favor of it. So, yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of like a using plan B while I'm still working on plan A, I think. It was yes, like, yes, exactly. Pump the gas through. I'll go talk to them. Hopefully I convince them to run away <laughs> rather than stay there and die. <laughs> oh shit, yeah. they've stayed there and died. <laughs> yeah. And then he, like, when he gets there, he has the gall to radio in and say like, hey, turn off the ventilation thingy. Like, turn off the gas dispersion. It's like, yeah, but you started it. There is now poisonous gas in this base. Like, Someone is absolutely going to melt. Not cool, dog. Not cool. All the guards did. All the sea devils did, didn't they? Yeah. Amazing effect, by the way. Or the goop coming out of the mask. Yeah, the melting sea devil. Yeah. (gasps) Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's here's a question for you. So, I mean, I saw these, was it the three Silurians I think we have on screen? Had no idea they were Silurians. Okay. You presumably did because you've seen prior, prior serials that they're in. Then yes. they're talking about sea devils. I think they talk about sea devils before identifying themselves as Silurians, actually. At least <laughs> that's the way I heard it. And I was like, oh, wait, I've heard of sea devils. Like, they're, they're a classic foe. And then there was this, uh-huh. you know, then revelation that, oh, wait, these guys are Silurians. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so how does, it, how does all that... F- feel to you how does it compare to like previous things they've been in did you like the because there are a few references to interactions with the doctor before and stuff like that yeah so silurians i think we've only encountered i've just looked them up on whobag1.com and they're coming up twice i was gonna say we've oh sorry sea devils they're coming up twice and i thought we'd only encountered them once in the sea devils which was a, a third doctor story apparently they also make an appearance in frontier and space but i suspect that that's just in i think that's the one with the mini and I think they're just in one of the environments in the miniscope. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, so there's the Sea Devils. They are described as the sort of aquatic cousins of the Silurians. And as such, I guess, well, we learn from this serial, they're buddies. They're friends. They 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 coexisted. One was land-based. The other one was aquatic. They didn't kill each other the way that humans and Silurians 
kill each other. Mm. Silurians, meanwhile, we haven't seen them since... Ooh, looking them up, looking them up. Doctor Who and the Silurians. All right, okay. (laughs) I had forgotten that they had that weird light in their forehead. That light, that's as a, I recall, in Doctor Who and the Silurians. Yeah. So th- they did have something in, on their foreheads in Doctor Who and the Silurians, also a Pertwee serial. But as I recall, they could do tons of shit with that. Like, they could use it to telekinetically lift stuff. They could use it, I think, to make a hole in and then fill that hole. Like, make a hole in a wall and then fill that hole. Like, build bricks in a hole. Put wood in a hole, is what I'm trying to say. But with <laughs> with their, like, mind gem, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. I feel like they're on brand. They're on brand for classic Who. Okay. Did Although they... actually, Sea Devils were much faster, as I recall, in the Sea Devils. They were faster. Okay, that, that was uh, literally what I was going to ask because both of them okay. <laughs> really lumber around in this serial. That's oh, for sure. Yikes, caramba! I don't remember what the Silurians were like, but in it, it's in like part two or three. Th- there's a bit with the Silurians. There are three of them in there base and one of them is like is the what's it called ready and then take 15 seconds for the other guy to walk across the like to to take about two paces across the room lift the lid off some silorian tupperware like you know very slowly confirm (laughs) yep lunch is ready and then turn around and go yes commander it is done (laughs) it's like great That is I made the note of that bane too, of Silorians so. reheating lunch. Like, whenever they <laughs> confirm that lunch is ready, it already has gone cold again. That is so tragic. <laughs> there was also a really... I, I described it as a beepy, springy sound as he, like, took the lift off. Which I guess is their version of a microwave ping. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember if they were this slow previously. I assume they were. And did they both re-listen to our reviews of those? Sorry, did they speak with these, you know, um, effects on the voices in the same way? Like, I mean, to me, the the sea devils sounded like. I mean, obviously, they appeared before Harry Potter, but they sound like they're doing a Voldemort impression. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay, yeah, um, I can dig it. I thought that they sounded. Now I can't remember if it's the Silurians or the Sea Devils. One of them sounded very much like Ice Warriors to me. Oh, I guess maybe Sea Devils. Whispering. Yeah, you know? the the whispery whispering and drawing out the not, yeah. not the S's necessarily, but you know it sounds almost kind of lispy. You know. Yeah. No, you're right. No, it's it's Ice Voldemort. Voldemort yeah. Warriors. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, we'll finesse it in post. Yeah, it, very Voldemort. And for the record, I was not a fan of of either of the way that these these races were communicating to be honest like the the whole light blinking around with no change like i mean they've got very detailed like to be fair the the costumes for the silurians were pretty cool but like none of it moves like the eyes don't move the mouth doesn't move it's just like (laughs) i'm i'm just staring at a drawing and then there's a little red thing going bloop 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 bloop, and someone's doing a voiceover it's just (laughs) oh that was that was a a a big ask of me to care about these (laughs) these creatures um when they're all (laughs) sorry and then yeah and then the sea devils with what uh, in that voice just really really got to me after a while i just found it so annoying and their costumes were always a bit floppy and i don't know well if they're 
if they're all going to communicate telepathically, which I think is what they're doing, or if, like, at a stretch, they're communicating like Tobey Maguire-era Green Goblins, why do they have to speak so slowly or in that voice? Like, if it's telepathic, yeah. just transmit an idea, make it efficient. It makes no sense. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. I really like the... Well, I say I really like... I quite like the Sea Devil makeup and and outfits their outfits have evolved a lot since the sea devils but this was like a warrior class of sea devils right this is like a particular battalion or something that they've reawakened the ones that we saw in the sea devils oh sorry I was going to ask if um, if these were different or Sea Devils are being treated differently. Because, yeah, you're right. They're, they're addressed as being warriors. I think so, almost, yeah. Almost like the Silurians were using them like an army. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we've uh, thawed the Sea Devil SWAT team and their dinosaur <laughs> pal. And now, <laughs> now we're going to take over this base. But yeah, I mean, okay, so just a word on the outfits. To me, it looked very much almost sort of like a samurai-esque armor that they were wearing in mm. this one. Whereas in the the Sea Devils, the serial the Sea Devils, they were wearing nets, as in like very clearly inspired by, you know, like fishing nets. <laughs> um, and because it, it just had that nautical theme. I really like that the face of the dude wearing the outfit clearly is in the neck. Like they're just yes. looking out through the <laughs> neck and then they're wearing a head hat. <laughs> yeah, very good that stuff. was painfully obvious a couple of times where the, oh. the head sort of flops from the neck in a way that you don't really expect heads to do. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, are you yeah. right, mate? I think you've just broken your spine. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my eyes are up here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about this dinosaur, the Merkin? <laughs> uh, what about it? <laughs> well, I mean, why do you even need a SWAT team if if you have a Merkin? Well, I felt like, like that was... Well, we've got a SWAT team to go into this entrance, and then in place of a SWAT team... We've got the Merkin to go in the oven. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel about the Merkin? I didn't love it, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> what? Why? Explain yourself. <laughs> Big floppy-footed thing that, I don't know, is meant to be really threatening, can kind of, I think, electrocute people, and then in one instance yeah, can electrify electrocute a bulkhead to zap like four people at once but also spends about 10 minutes in a room with two people one of which is trapped under a door and doesn't kill either of them (laughs) yeah what's your point so so (laughs) Uh, the words Uh, it's also an outfit clearly worn by two people I mean, I wasn't convinced there was a second person behind, to be honest. I felt like that was just oh, being you don't dragged so. around. I think I, I read a thing that actually that there definitely were two people. And apparently okay, it was only completed <laughs> like an hour before they were going to start using it. And it was still like wet. The paint was wet. That it's basically <laughs> was all toxic smelling and stuff. And oh, yeah, no. one of the people in the costume basically said it smelled like they were sniffing glue the whole time. Oh, all right. Well, at least they were numbed against the pain of having to participate in this thing. I yeah. <laughs> freaking loved the Merkin. I thought the Merkin looked spectacular. And as an idea, it was awesome. However, it felt a little bit like... It's like in Starship Troopers where you go, well, why are you sending in ground troops with very finite amounts of bullets in their rifles when you could just literally nuke the entire planet and you do? You don't need that. So here, they're like, oh, well, we have two options. We can either send in this freaking giant 
tank that can electrocute people. Or we could all go in like one at a time, you know, just hang out very slowly and whisper <laughs> to each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a fair point. It's also like if it can electrocute the bulkhead and it's fine walking around, like why doesn't it just do that all the time? Why isn't it just like yeah. electrocuting the floor, the sides, just like walk around a corner and just put its hand on a wall every time? That's it. So Doc was able to stun it with, I can't remember what it is, but he, he throws some sort of, it's almost like a grenade he throws at Yeah, the it's like a flash grenade he somehow has. I don't know where the hell he got it from. Right. And that then that blinds it. So clearly you can subdue it. You don't have to kill it. Then he asks for them to like bring out this, uh, oh, bring out the converter, whatever it's called, which turns out is a massive laser cannon. And, <laughs> and he uses that to pretty sure just flat out kill the Merkin. Yeah. Why didn't he try to do something non-lethal there? Again, if you want to try and um, meet the scriptwriter halfway, maybe he got the dosage wrong and he thought it would just stun it or slow it down, but... He seems he seems quite clear actually that it's dead afterwards. Almost like he knew it was going to kill it, and he was sad about it. Yeah, yeah, idiot! Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't get Doc in this one. I have to be pretty honest. Like he's mm. way more aggressive. Like to the point where like he he tells Turlo, look that scene where he falls in the water. He tells Turlo and Tegan to run away before that, and then lets a guard like run past him, and then just just starts having a fight with people. Like he's just having yeah. a punch up, and then yeah, he's throwing grenades he's well i mean it's a flash grenade but he's killing the the murker he's putting poison gas in that's gonna kill every lizard-like thing it's just what the hell doc? yeah like it seems very on brand for older doc like pertwee for example or even in some tom baker serials but pertwee certainly like all the action stuff feels on brand for that mm. but it feels so off brand for Davison. And also, at the beginning, when he realizes that there are Silurians there, he clearly regrets having wronged them in the past. You know, he doesn't want to repeat those mistakes, but evidently he has learned nothing from those mistakes. Because he just straight up murders the lot. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's fine, apparently. And even, I think he says at one point, when either he's trying to reason with them, or you know, it's the, the thing with the gas in the room, I'm not quite sure if it's like runaways to save yourself sort of thing. But I'm pretty sure he says like you're the last of the, the Silurian triad. Yeah. You're like the uh what's not gatekeeper, what's the word? I don't know. Like they're they're on watch basically for yeah, the like entire the Silurian. Custodians of some yeah, exactly, of some culture. Yeah. And he makes it such sound like like if they're not around, the entire Silurian race is in jeopardy. But yeah. no one survives this. So does that mean <laughs> that the entire Silurian race is now in jeopardy? Like I'm, I don't remember all this super duper well, but I, I think the dude he recognizes here, where, where he goes like, holy smokes, we've met before, you and I, must yeah. be one of the Silurians whom, whom he like, uh, either blew up, or at least thought that he had blown up, who were sort of guarding a, uh, like a frozen city of Silurians or something. Like, it, it's basically like a Tomb of the Cybermen kind of shtick, where all the Silurians, or at least like, let's say, a city's worth of Silurians, they're all in cryogenic sleep, and then there are some of them who are guarding them. And this must have been one of them. So I think the idea is, if this dude dies, then there's no one around to wake up the other Silurians. I think that's that's yeah that's my take on it. But I mean, right before that, he tells everyone else, as in the humans, 
and his companions. Oh shit, where are we going to go? Let's go to the chemical depot. Let's go, let's go there. So why would he suggest that they go to the chemical depot if not to use the chemicals, if not to kill the Silurians and Sea Devils? I think there is a, a bit of dialogue where he's like, he, he even maybe knows that's there and is like, this will straight up kill them, but there must be yeah. something else. But then like one Sea Devil comes in, shoots at them, accidentally sets off a canister and kills itself. And then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, let's use that because it works a treat. Look at that guy. He's melting. <laughs> change your tune a bit there doc (laughs) yeah maybe a little bit (laughs) what other questions did you have in your arsenal why was there no budget for laser effects this is a very very good question i mean where did i how many how many fights can you sit through like gunfights where people are just holding up a prop and nothing happens and then (laughs) if you're lucky you might get a little red spot appear on the screen to indicate Oh, they fired roughly somewhere over there, and I, d- I don't know. I just, like every yeah, single but- gun gunfight, laser fight, whatever you want to call it, was just ah painful. Yeah, <laughs> d- just so much more sedate and boring than it could have been. But which serial yeah. was it that we were watching? Was it maybe the Five Doctors? There's something that we watched quite recently where part of the trivia. By the way, I didn't read any of the trivia for this one, so there might be some trivia associated with whatever happened to the laser budget. But as I recall, quite recently we reviewed something where in the trivia it said every single shot that included a laser blast cost like 200 pounds. And then you watch the serial and there are so many lasers in it. You just go, fanny bashers. That is an insane amount of money that you have spunked on lasers, dude. You could have just maybe replaced a few of those scenes with someone just clubbing someone from behind, or like tossing a rock. Those are free. <laughs> like they cost nothing. <laughs> and in this one, I mean, the impression I get from you is that you didn't like the, um, the sets. I thought the sets were spectacular and I bet you they cost a fortune. And also, the miniatures must have cost a bunch. Oh, the miniatures were gorgeous. And actually, I, yeah. I don't think I have anything against the set necessarily. It it felt oh, okay. very functional. Like, yeah. a lot of it, uh, I wouldn't have been surprised, was like repurposed from something else rather than it being made. Probably. Particular for, for this. But yeah, I wasn't I wasn't blown away by anything, but also it, it felt like it worked. Like, this felt yeah. like an, a, an undersea base throughout the whole thing, I think. But yeah, those models were gorgeous. Freaking love yeah. this. Salarian I've seen that prop. Battle ship, whatever it's called. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is, that's stunning. That that ship and is it a probe that they sent out? I, I think it's probably the same shot that we get twice. But yeah. there's a little thing in the base that opens and a probe goes out. So those two ships, stunning. Stunsville. Yeah, all, all the props for model work, definitely. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> the the, uh, the actual base prop, I've seen that one. That's the one I, I am, as in like, it's, I think possibly the very first shot is of the base from, um, yeah. The, uh, from a little, yeah, from afar. You can see the actual base. They have that actual scene on TV prop in uh, the Who shop in wherever it was, in London. Ah, uh, cool. Yeah. It, it only looks, appears in a so crap now oh really yeah (laughs) yeah well i think it just didn't necessarily i mean it was underwater they probably made that prop and put it in a fish tank or something you know yeah and i don't think that it was necessarily made to last (laughs) beyond that one shot probably not Mm -hmm. okay here here is a question actually that uh relates to this which i didn't i didn't write down but i definitely have have a note about it It was like did you get massive like thunderbird slash captain scarlet vibes at the start of this serial Nice. Like for a start, uh, this 
this base has, I'm pretty sure, a giant number four written on it. Like every single Thunderbird <laughs> thing has a giant number on it. <laughs> and when it opens then, the the door for the probe, that felt a little Thunderbirds as yeah, well. Yeah, and then they've got these outfits, which you know have got a bit shoulder paddy. This, I think, that's where my Captain Scarlet reference was coming in. You know, it felt right, yeah, a little, yeah. little bit like that. I don't know. Oh, we should get the Rawmeister back in here. He can probably deliver a pretty solid verdict on... on <laughs> What's his name? Kent Anderson? Is that the name of the chap who did all these? I can't remember now. Anderson sounds right. Anderson sounds right. Terry? Yeah. Terry Anderson? Terry, is it? Uh, wait, no. Uh, it, Jerry Anderson. Jerry Anderson. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Terry's obviously his brother. Uh, <laughs> Kent, yeah. Kent, Terry, and Jerry are the Anderson triplets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently just me then that was getting those vibes. But uh, yeah, no, I quite I, liked I the get intro, what you're saying. the setup. Yeah. You know what? Actually, the Silurian ship as well, their submarine, looked a little bit like, is it the number five? The big green plane in uh, Thunderbirds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, well, maybe not. But yeah, those outfits. Holy smokes. If you had to wear one of those outfits, which one would you go for? Uh, I can't say I remember them in detail well enough to pick. I think <laughs> maybe did the captain have one that was, he had like blue strips down it. That was quite cool. Oh, not okay. Captain Commander. Yeah, nice. Come on, let's try and get uh, some I, of these names. He's, he's called Vorshak. Commander okay. Vorshak. Yeah. Vorshak. Yeah. Pretty sure I just thought of him as a Rorschach, but okay, Vorschach. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, yeah, we've got Maddox, we've already talked about, who's the the intern who's oh, having a really bad day. Oh, we've got to talk more about Maddox. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Sorry. He's, he's the intern that's having the worst day ever. Yeah. Um, oh, it really sucks to be, <laughs> be Maddox today. Nielsen is the kind of second in command slash spy for the foreign for agent. The, yeah. The unnamed opposing faction. Yeah. Which we can which also you get disliked, into. <laughs> I really liked. I felt, yeah. Sorry, we, we talked we, about this before we pressed record, back. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Solo. Solo. Is that, that mascara was. lady? Yes. So she's she's okay. the other spy. Yeah. Um, Holy these, smokes. These are just there ones is... I have written down. But And then Maddox um, had a friend. He had sort of, a not a confidant, but certainly someone who um, sympathized with him. Yeah, that was Karina. Okay. The, the one that he then goes on and strangles under, under oh, does he kill force, force control. Yeah. Oh, I kind of missed that. I, I remember him attacking her, but wow, that's rough. Yeah, they find, Holy smokes, they, that's they, really They to find her body, yeah. That is some dark shit. I mean, if if she didn't die then, then you couldn't have everyone dying in the whole serial. No, that's true. You'd have to be hiding in a cupboard. Or she'd just wake up like, oh my god, Maddox tried to kill me. Um, Wait, Maddox is dead. <laughs> Wait, the commander's dead. Wait, so's Wait. the captain. Wait. <laughs> Wait, what the fuck are these green people? <laughs> Why are they melted? <laughs> Made out of gloop. <laughs> yeah. Is that a dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, imagine, yeah, the carnage you would just come back to. Surely someone does, though. Like, someone knows this base exists. Did they get a message off to, to their superiors in the end? I forget. I think so. They, don't yeah. they? Like, surely someone's going to come and investigate, and they're just going to be like, what the fuck happened here? Wait, so hang on. Did, I think I kind of missed this. Everyone dies. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. What shit bananas. That's like a core concept that I've somehow missed. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for starters, I thought the Karina survived. Definitely at the end, they're in the room. All of the Silurians have melted. The commander mm-hmm. gets shot, which is where laser budget would have been really nice because it's totally yep. not clear he's been shot. And then he just starts holding his chest going, and then trying to like strain through it. Come on, doctor, you can do it. 
I beat Jot, but I'm not saying it. And I'm just trying to act it the best way possible, just by holding my chest. Um, which is no, that's a, that's unfair. I actually really liked Rorschach and the um, the guy that played him, who is called Tom Adams. Um, I thought Tom he did Adams. a really good okay. job. Yeah. So he's been shot. The only other people in that room are the TARDIS crew, and yeah, everyone in right. that room is dead. Prior to that. So Preston is like the security officer that she hangs out with Turlo for a bit. She gets shot. She's already been shot. Nielsen, the spy, has been killed by when he gets, blind, he gets blinded and then he gets shot by some sea devils. Oh, uh, yeah, you're Solo, right. Yeah, that's what it is. Solo tried to have a hand-to-hand combat with them. There. That is the, that freaking hand-to-hand combat scene. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Was that not just the most redonkulous thing? That possibly is the most redonkulous thing. Yeah, I think that's all the named people. Like, there, there are plenty of guards in the background, but they all seem to get killed off by the, the Merca or Sea Devil shooting them, I guess. So why are there guards? I get that there are two foreign agents who have infiltrated this base. And for that reason, it is obviously... Like, like you can make the argument, it's not airtight, this base. Like, <laughs> someone slipped up and let someone in who shouldn't have gone in. But why are there armed guards on the bridge, for example? Why are there people patrolling with rifles? I mean, I don't know if they should be patrolling and if they need to be armed all the time. But my understanding is this is a military base. Like, this this is a base sat on the ocean ready to fire missiles at the enemy. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, this fair is, enough. I guess they is, do have on A stationary guns. submachine, basically, I suppose. Yeah. No, you're right. You're I right. don't know. Um, yeah, Which may, I, partly maybe it doesn't uses... quite make sense, but... Sorry? No, I, th- I think you've actually made a point. I think I'm being really silly for, for thinking that that's overkill. I think that makes sense. Can we talk about some of the tech that's driving this base? Because I I feel like there's a lot to unpack with Maddox. Yes, okay. So Maddox is... Do you remember what the term for this is? They use the word sink a lot. I can't remember if he... If he had a title along with that, like maybe even like the sync like, operator, or I don't know. Yeah, there's a, he's like the human computer interface. He's freaking Johnny Mnadoxic. He has a little port in the back of his head. You can plug yeah. in a 3.5 mil, you know, speaker input. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, um, it, yeah and, and th- that's the only way to control this computer is by plugging into it, plugging your brain into it. Which is weird, actually, because Doc doesn't have a port in his head and he plugs into it. But so you need a human mind to do this, a human mind that has been conditioned to work with the computer somehow and to, for example, set off actual missiles, like send missiles yeah. or maybe to Apparently. target them or something. Yeah, it's like so, it, he, yeah, he becomes part of the program, program to fire the missiles, I guess. And it's like a fail safe. They need this they need the operator to do it so if you don't have the operator then no one can fire missiles yeah i guess it's but like the it alternative of like a key in the yeah exactly console. but there are i have so many questions all right here are three questions off the top of my head okay one if he is the controller i'll ask all three answer all three please pick the order in which you want to answer them <laughs> so he is the controller or the sync operator, whatever, why can the computer control him? Like, if he is the key, why can the keyhole turn him? So that's question one. Question two. Why do you need a human in this thing? Wouldn't it be more precise to have someone punch in, I don't know, coordinates, and then have the computer calculate where to go? And three, 
if you need to be conditioned to have this role, and he is one of those dudes, he's been fitted with a freaking speaker port in his cranium, why is he so nervous about doing his job? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one, they do they do try and address it, is that he is meant he is like an intern. His mentor has previously, before this serial starts, had an accident and is dead. Oh right. So okay. Okay. he's yeah. He's being promoted above his station, sort of thing. Which okay. I mean is it implied you, you, you either accept that or you don't actually... Oh sorry? I say, yeah, you either, you either accept that or you don't. Like everyone else is like saying like we need him or he's not ready. You know, it's it's a plot point that he's no uh, out of his not depth. really up yeah, exactly. Okay. But I th- yeah, I think it's so to, to speak, your question, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> to your question, I think, yeah, unquestionably the spies have already bumped off his predecessor because I feel like they, they think Maddox is easier to control, I guess. I don't he's know. more pliable, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads into the first point, I guess. Like I took it that they were using the fact that he has this interface, for one of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can then brainwash him in a in a way you can just like plug him into a computer and warp his brain because there is an interface to go from his brain to computers. Okay. Um, it, sorry, sub question. What is it exactly that they make him do? Well, this is the thing I have a massive problem with because I'm pretty sure <laughs> what they make yes. him do is go to a random bank of circuit boards, I guess. And yep. move them around. Like, what that has to do with him being the sync operator, I've bugger all idea. Like, I mean, I feel like they could have done that. Yeah, absolutely. They could have done that. <laughs> it's like, they just pick up a book. Like, been... okay, how do we break this computer? <laughs> ah, move panels 327 uh, over to 89. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, done. Yeah. Was that more or less conspicuous than brainwashing a dude? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, well, first causing a, a, an accident and then brainwashing an intern. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I think there was a, a second question in there I may not have addressed. I forgot. Yeah, what was that? What was that? Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, why even have a human interface, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. That whole setup. Like, the other thing... So on the, on the one hand, they've got this, we want to plug a human in, partly for security, and then I guess, I can't remember if they mentioned it or not, but I, I assumed it was also like human brains can do things that computers can't, even like even a thousand years in the future, which I think is when this is set. I've forgotten. Oh, really? A hundred years. Wait, this it's is only a thousand years. years in the- oh, okay. I think, yeah, no, it's, it's 2084, isn't it? I think is the time they mention. Okay. Yeah. No, it's only a hundred years in the future. Anyway, a hundred years in the future, like you still can't make a computer that can do everything a human brain can do because it's just a very different machine. So yeah. maybe they're taking advantage of that as well. But on the other side... They have this really weird setup, which I did not fully understand, of like their drills, like the, the like the missile alert kind of like going going off, and they're oh yes, they're operating through everything. They're like they're going and hooking him up to the missile unit, like operating under a hundred percent. We're under attack mode, sort of thing, about yeah. to launch missiles, and then it's like, oh no, that was just the drill, and it's like, but this is. This is the computer that's just done it. This computer that you're relying on to set fire missiles is making random scenarios that then you then have to maybe fire a missile. 
and it will it will present the information you need exactly like real information like all your screens every single like it was just like what yeah exactly and when you hit fire it gives you yeah exactly this is when they get like a green screen that just says yeah "Yeah, um drill over or whatever i i did not fully understand it but yeah, it really seems to mean really that. Really say that I do either. Yeah, that there's there was just like a detachment from what the the humans were seeing on the bridge versus what the computer can basically present to them. And it, I don't know, for the briefest of seconds, I thought, oh, is there going to be like a runaway AI element to this that's going to be right? It's exactly. going to start World War Three sort of thing. But no, it's just a really random thing about. Oh, it could be a drill. And then that gets referenced ever so slightly later when the Silurians are in the bridge, I think. And again, I'm just as confused and just as not caring. <laughs> it's like, oh, big big green screen, missile alert, whatever. Yeah. What was the Silurian slash Sea Devil plan? Because they go in there, they get uh, the captain to punch in his code or to use his palm print. They yeah. use some sort of gadget to mimic the second palm print, which, by the way, let's just be clear, they could just have used two gadgets. Two gadgets would have worked pretty well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they do that, and that, I believe, actually fires a missile. That's why Doc steps into the thing, or at least it starts the countdown, and that's yeah. why Doc steps into the thing to stop it. Yeah, I think I mean, this, I think the second thing, it's, it's not a handprint. I think their machine is replacing this human element right yeah so my yeah. point was going to be they don't they don't have that interface they don't get maddox in there no because he's dead by that point yeah probably yeah, I think yeah. He's dead by that point yeah but they also don't have a replacement for that so like so yeah so that's a no, gadget. Exactly. So there's a gadget that's yeah, so a gadget that can replace a brain they can't and have a, a gadget to replace to replace a handprint <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on silence <laughs> Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> describing a car by dis- by <laughs> starting to describe the clicky lighter, <laughs> like the cigarette lighter. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't get it. It would have been interesting if they had taken advantage of the brain, whatever the the brain scramble. Almost as yeah. though, for example, the two foreign agents were working with the Sea Devils because the Sea Devils had told them, "Hey, we will help your nation overcome," you know, your adversaries and then actually the sea devils stab them in the back but for that reason the spies aboard they brainwash maddox so that maddox will act you know he'll fire the missiles or he'll at least not destroy the missiles afterwards i mean i would have happy with most things changing this serial but i actually <laughs> i kind of liked that there were two things here that there was this a spy element that wasn't linked to the Silurians or the Sea Devils. Uh-huh. But I'm not saying it, you know, was pulled off amazingly well. <laughs> I just, I think it was an interesting thing to keep those separate. Because, yeah, we yeah. See, see that a lot, especially if they bring in the Master or something. You know, there's this idea of uh, a backstabbing element or like a teaming up that then gets backstabbed or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm, I'm basically begging for a cliche over here. You're right. <laughs> I was not what I was saying, but okay. <laughs> no, but that is true. <laughs> the question I did have mm-hmm. about like this time frame, I have to correct myself, obviously, from the, the thousand years, because it's only like a hundred years. But so the last time we saw the Silurians was in 1970. I don't know if that serial was set in 1970, but it had unit, so it's it's thereabouts, presumably. The Sea Devils. Uh, I'm grabbing it. Is that what you said? Or, uh, did, sorry, did you say the Silurians? The, the Silurian one, Doctor Who and the Silurians, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. So 
I, d- I don't think there's any other information to say it wasn't set in 1970, basically. But I know there's been, I can't remember, I think when we were talking about the Brigadier and in something, people pointed out that actually a lot of the unit episodes were set in this time frame that was slightly not when it was like broadcast or yeah, anyway. Either way, like 1970 or thereabout is the last time the Silurians had an interaction with the Doctor. This yeah. is now 2084. What the fuck have they been doing for 100 years? <laughs> Like, like, have they literally just been like brooding away and just like, just like every every night going, oh, fucking humans, and then go to bed and then wake up the next day, go about the business, and then just like things just start building on the brain again. Go to bed again, going, oh, fucking humans, and that goes on yeah, for a hundred I mean... years, and then finally they're just like, oh, we should really do something, and they just get in the ship and go. <laughs> Go on this plant. Like, what? They're stuck in an endless loop of reheating their lunch. It just takes so long. <laughs> that, um, yeah, that's a super good point. That that tallies quite well with another question that I asked you before we press record, and that I I do want to ask you on the record as well. Namely, what is their motivation for starting this in the first place? And yeah, what I, is it that I humans have done? No. I mean, so I do wonder if there's just something really obvious that humans have done. We've just missed it. Um, something like maybe they used some of that chemical somewhere, and for that reason, only now have Silurians decided to act. So maybe up until now, since the 70s, since 1970, up until 2080, they're just like, yeah, minding their own business. They're somewhere underground, hanging out. You know. I mean, I prepare. When to they find that out that I that chemical is in play, they're something. like, "Fuck it, yeah, no, we do need to act." Sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm prepared to accept I missed something in this serial, but it really didn't seem obvious why they had popped up now. Yeah, like when they when they brought up the plan of using the base's own missiles to like start a war. I think they said, I think, I think he's called Ik, Iktar. Is like the the head Silurian. I think he said yeah. something along the lines of <laughs> like, "You will destroy yourselves." And I was thinking. Oh wait, they've come here to stop humanity from basically starting a war because that could invariably like blow up the whole planet and they live on this planet. Or at least they, they want to like come back and habit it properly rather than just being in hibernation. But no, it yeah. it turns out it's the plan of just starting World War Three that will kill all the humans and then they'll wake up in another thousand years or whatever and everything's fine and dandy. But yeah, for a brief moment I thought the motivation was stop humans from being too human and killing the planet. But we was robbed of that one. Yeah. I was like, having them detonate nukes all over the place is going to make the planet massively uninhabitable. I mean, yeah. Reigning in an era of like a nuclear holocaust, like what are they going to do? They're going to go and hibernate again for another, what, 200,000 years and then awaken and and clear off the moss. It seems to be their thing. They don't seem that fussed about just hibernating. Like I guess so, yeah. They'll just just stay there for as long as it takes. I mean, Iktar's going to be pretty bored by the end of it, but hey... Yeah, that's pretty dumb. I, I'm sorry, I'm just not on board with that at all. In the Silurian episode that we had the last time, they had a poisonous gas. They were basically doing what the humans do, what Doc does to them here. Except oh, really? they weren't trying to melt humans, they were just trying to kill them with a gas. There's a really uh, creepy scene around Marlebone where they, 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 like, they gas Marlebone and humans are just like, they're walking down the street and then all of a sudden they just drop dead. I might be misremembering Podcast Land. Like, 
is sorry. Okay, really sorry. <laughs> it was fourteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fourteen years ago, I watched that. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a, just a, a quick reference to the fact that we are in nineteen eighty four. Ooh, I think, I think this is the first thing we've come into. Yeah, because it's nice. First episode was on the fifth of January. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Oh, happy New Year, dude. <laughs> chin chin. Um, <laughs> Can I ask you about some of the more comedic interludes in this uh, serial, as opposed to the very like cold-blooded or serious uh, aspects of it? So there, there are two jokes in particular. I say jokes. I mean, I use the term joke in the loosest possible interpretation yeah. of the term. Okay. Yep. Um, I get you. <laughs> there is the recurring "What have you been eating?" gag. Oh my god, that was so shit. <laughs> <laughs> So Doc's at this point stolen... Uh, I've, I've done this in the wrong order, but i start with this one. So Doc's stolen a hazmat suit, basically. Yeah. And the previous person who used to wear it, I think the idea is, has been farting up a storm in there. Or maybe I mean, just taking yeah. a dump down the trouser leg. <laughs> and we even get Tegan repeat this joke. Like, what yep. have you been eating? What do you mean, Tegan? What? Do we no. need that joke? Is it that joke meant terrible. for the children who were allowed to watch this thing that were in which everyone dies? <laughs> I mean, I guess they they always intend children to watch this as well. Like, not super young children, I guess. But I'm not sure if this one joke is going to keep them interested in this serial in particular. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was not a fan of that. It's, uh, it's a okay. thumbs down in my notes, that's for sure. <laughs> thumbs down. Okay, what about the scene in which he actually steals that hazmat suit? Uh, how does that happen? I've forgotten and I don't have notes about it. So he like, I think he knocks out this dude, then steals his hazmat suit, leaves him in his underwear on the floor and walks away. And then we get a couple of guards walk past this dude in his underwear and not notice a thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So like these armed guards, the aforementioned armed guards aboard this aforementioned military installation do not notice that there's a dude in his underwear lying unconscious on the floor. Like humanity is doomed. <laughs> I think I, I do recall that they just sort of step around the guy rather than kind of like, oh, are you okay? Uh, shit, where's your gun? Okay, be on the alert. There's a guy walking around in the guard's uniform. You mean, oh, you mean okay? You yeah. mean that should have happened, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe that is literally all the mileage that we can get out of that. I'm so sorry. That's not so much a, a discussion point as just a yikes. That was shit. <laughs> the things I do have. What do I have actually that kind of made me laugh? In ep- towards the end of episode one, before Doc falls in, he's fighting with these people. I guess it's probably the first person he hits. He then says, I'm so sorry, which I kind of liked, but also <laughs> n- not, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I definitely laughed when the door fell on Tegan because it was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, much more forgiving with uh, <laughs> lower budget production values. <laughs> I think it was just that the fact that it becomes a plot point and then, yeah, the the murka steps on one end to free tegan oh right yeah, yeah it's like you're basically leaning into the flimsiness of this door because if that was a solid door you would have to have something in the middle for it to seesaw on yeah otherwise exactly. yeah it's not gonna work but just because it's a flimsy <laughs> prop it works so okay <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's so true. The, oh, the aforementioned manipulator slash lunchbox. Uh, is it ready? Ping, ping. There we go. Scene. 
Yeah. Made me laugh at how bad that was. I think that might be it. Uh, oh, no, wait, wait. I've written a, a kind of laughing point to the fact that Turlo, after, after he did have a few kind of saving graces, turns back into the shit, as we mentioned before. And he's like, hey, everyone should come to the TARDIS. Fuck Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then he does... Okay, this is going slightly off, off tangent, but it really, really puzzled me why he he's in this room going to the trouble of trying to, like, escape by removing a grate from, like, above head height. So he's put a chair up against the wall. He gets the grate free, and then he moves the chair away. And then everyone climbs through this grate by someone else giving them a lift, you know, a, a push-up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, what?! Why? What? what? No. Who, no, who you had a this chair. Scene? Yeah. <laughs> and there are tables and everything. Like, I thought, oh, okay, he's gone to put a table because, you know, loads of people are going to climb out. It's a bit more sturdy with a table. But no, everyone's oh, yeah, giving yeah. each other leg ups. It's like, what the <laughs> f- <laughs> Another thing I hadn't considered that's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Um, I, I do have a couple more, which I think are, they are a bit mean. It's me pulling up props and, and just pathetic <laughs> incidents. So the other one is the manipulator itself when it's pulled out of the lunchbox. It seriously looks my, like, like a child made that. I mean, it's just like styrofoam and I don't know what. I don't remember what it looks dome like. Dome with some little straws poking out of it. It's pathetic. <laughs> I need to grab a, a pic of it. I don't remember what it looks like. Oh yeah, there it is. That looks fantastic. It's like a green lunchbox with a glass bowl upside down on top of it, and inside there's some wrapping paper. It's great. <laughs> I mean, the lunchbox wasn't too bad. Like that had a little pattern on it or something. It looked fairly solid. Yeah. But yeah, then then they take the little <laughs> blinky thing out, and it's oh god. <laughs> um, and then I do I did quite enjoy the fact that the sea devil accidentally shoots the was it hexachromite canister like it was just such a pathetic scene of like this this warrior like they they are described as like the sea devil warriors walks into a room some people duck behind a a room of canister a row of canisters and he shoots the canister for fuck's sake (laughs) well i mean what can you expect he's Daleks have whisks. This dude has a cup and saucer. Like that's that's <laughs> what he's got to work with. So yeah. <laughs> I think we need to cut him some slack. And he can only see out of his neck. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not easy. You're some sort of uh, underwater bird that's <laughs> staring out of its own Adam's apple. It's not easy. Not easy at all. Not easy at all. What are they actually? I said I said bird. I mean, they're obviously not birds. They're something aquatic. But what are they? Are they meant to look like fish? Are they meant to look like... Uh, what do you reckon? I'm looking at pictures of them I now. Mean, I'm sure that we talked about this in Silurians as well, but Sil- Silurians don't look like lizards in this era. They look like fish to me. Yeah, I mean, they're like creatures from the deep type things. They're, they're, they're more aquatic looking than the sea devils, I would say. Exactly. The sea devils look like eagles, I think. Yeah. I mean, especially with the armor. Like you say, it's, it's very samurai-like, which immediately yeah. makes them like not look like aquatic things but yeah yeah i I don't really know i I felt like most of the shots it was quite hard to see what they really looked like like you saw a lot of back of helmets and like they were quite a dark complexion as well underneath yeah there's a a lot of dark on dark on dark layers yeah 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 yeah. but yeah i would agree they they definitely look more bird-like maybe maybe you get a turtle 
perhaps a kind of turtle. Okay. Yeah, I can head. I can dig it. Yeah, but no, it it is weird. Like it, they're almost opposites. <laughs> like these look more like birds, and the sliders look more like um, sea creatures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, this was written by Johnny Byrne, by the by, whom we have encountered before. Johnny Byrne wrote The Keeper of Traken and Ark of Infinity. Uh, I just see a bit of Both of which, just... I think, better serials. I'm sorry? I'm sure they are, yes. Yeah, I did see one bit of trivia that this was the last televised Doctor Who story from Byrne. Yeah, he's got one more, it says here. Uh, I've just Googled him. He did one more, Guardians of Prophecy, which was produced on audio by Big Finish. Ah, uh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, apparently that was Is there any other juicy... To be... Oh, sorry? Apparently, yeah, that was pitched to be a TV thing, but never oh. happened. I guess Big Finish picked it up. Yeah, once again, Big Finish to the rescue. Is there any other juicy trivia associated with this? Yeah, the only other kind of trivia bits that I saw were basically about the production being shortened, I think, is the, is the the result for the fact that there was a general election called and the BBC needed to grab some of the studio space, I think. It sounds like, yeah, that, that had a knock-on effect to the point where we, we've already discussed about the Merca being a bit uh, rushed at the end. Uh, I guess filming schedules probably got rushed. They said, I think there's some reference to like some scenes only had one take. And in fact, I, I definitely oh, really? spotted, I think in the TARDIS right at the beginning, Davison not necessarily like fluffs a line, but like says a word that he then has to repeat because he's like said it slightly incorrectly and he, he does it really quickly. So it, it feels fairly natural, but it's not normally what you see oh, okay. in a TV show. And I oh, wonder okay. if that's one of those. Right. That, um, yeah, I think all said, most people weren't happy with this. Apparently, there's DVD commentary to to the effect that yeah, everyone felt like it was a bit of a bit of a mess. And someone who was the former BBC One controller in an episode of um, Room One Hundred One, which for those that don't know, is a, a show where you go on and basically say these are the things I hate most in the world. I want them to go into Room One Hundred One and never come out again. Um, the BBC <laughs> okay. One controller said he thought Doctor Who was pathetic and. Scenes involving the Merca from this episode <laughs> were used to basically represent how bad Doctor Who was in his mind. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I say no mostly because I feel like there are such worse scenes <laughs> from Doctor Who that they could have used instead. I really rather enjoyed the Merkin. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree with you. There were there are worse things, that's for sure. It wasn't terrible. It was just a bit bit naff. The other mm. thing, like almost like it's feeling a bit kind of Scottish play, like for the the number of mishaps or just like how bad people felt about it or stuff like that. Is during this production that Davison and Jeanette Fielding announced that they are departing the series. Oh, what? Like really? I'm assuming they'd already made up their minds, sort of thing. But it also it feels a bit like. My God, this is so shit. We've got to leave right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a, when, it's a sinking when can ship. Contractually, get out of this. Okay. The end of this series. <laughs> right. We're gone. Because <laughs> this, this is the first episode of this series. This first serial of this series, by the way. Like oh, we're yikes. In series 21, I think it is. And okay. You would, you would kind of think. You're right. Yeah. Your I just looked it up. Wouldn't you think, like, before you start filming, it's like, okay, this is my last series. Like, you'd make that decision. Like, I'm going into this. I know this is my last series. Everyone knows it's the last series. Maybe they can shape things differently because of that. But no, partway yeah. through production of the first serial, you go. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we're done. We're ah, done. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. 
So I can't help but thinking maybe like the problems and the I don't know maybe maybe the serial itself had an impact on that message. That's, I don't know. Yeah, that's so different to how it's dealt with nowadays, isn't it? Nowadays, first off, there's so much more pomp and circumstance surrounding a doctor leaving and a doctor coming on, and maybe there's just a stronger. I mean, like, wait, sorry, didn't they have contracts back then? Like, didn't they have? Would they just have a season by season contract? Could could an actor just go, yeah, I'm I'm leaving in so and so many months' time or so and so many hours of television's time? It's, it seems so slapdash in a way. I mean, I would have assumed they would already be contracted to the end of this series. Yeah, I mean, maybe had they not been, maybe they just would have left right away. You know, well, if they were allowed. What, what I mean like... is, it's an odd thing because, like now, for example, you've got Jodie Whittaker saying, "Yeah, so well, I mean, sorry, X amount of months ago, you had Jodie Whittaker saying, "Yeah, so now I'm I'm done. I'm going to do one more year of this or one more season of this," uh, and that's so far in advance to make that announcement. It's so far in advance. Yeah. Whereas I'm I looking mean, at the dates now, Warriors of the Deep aired, the final episode aired on the 13th of January, 1984. The last episode of The Caves of Androzani, which is his last serial, is on the 16th of March. That's three months. Oh, wow. Is that it? Sorry, God. two months later, you know? Yeah, because I noted this with um, this serial. Like, it's it's just over a week because they, I don't know what day of the week that is, but they obviously like showed the first two parts Monday, Tuesday, one week, and then the second two parts yeah. like Monday, Tuesday, the next week, whatever. So they're, There's they're really something... like screaming through the broadcast. I think we either we read something in trivia or uh, I'm so sorry, Podcast Land, if I've forgotten this. It may be that this came up in a, a mini for one of the previous ones, but it's definitely just looking at the dates. They're definitely not doing one episode a week anymore. So the next one is The Awakening. It's a two parter and they were on two consecutive days, 19th and 20th of January. Yeah, it seems After that, got, uh... four parter, 26 Jan to 3 Feb. Like there's, yeah, there's much less time now. Mm. Which works really well for a two-parter. Like, how does that yeah. feel? Like, I, I feel like Jim does cliffhangers is <laughs> maybe die to death, but no. episode two <laughs> would have episode two would have been a, a bigger cliffhanger because you had to wait nearly a whole week for, whereas episodes one cliffhanger, yeah, exactly. you just had to wait a day for. So episode one is the thing where Doc has maybe drowned. Yeah. But, but I mean, really, it's you just... You know what, wait, sorry, I disagree with you. I'm sorry, dude. I disagree with you because I, I watch even this one, as in this serial, which was in many ways a pile of crap. I watched it in one sitting. And even in this case, between like whenever there was a cliffhanger, I felt that little tingle of excitement to go into the next one. I was like, oh, yay, great. He's fallen into some water. How is he going to get out of this? Oh, yay, great. There's something clawing its way through a door. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean like the, uh, I, without having to wait a week in between. But I know what you mean. Like when there's something dramatic, when he falls into the water, there's there are going to be a few kids in the audience who are going like, "Fiddlesticks! Our hero is drowning. Is this how the whole show ends?" Yeah, I guess um, maybe they're all fairly similar because like, that's quite a big deal. You think maybe the doctor's drowned? Obviously, he's mm. not going to. But whatever. Um, episode two is then being trapped in the room with the murker, so that's a pretty big deal yep. as well. Certainly, I mean, all of these like pay off very, very easily. Like Doctor swims away in the first one. Um, yeah, Doc throws the flash bomb, whatever the hell that is, and blinds the murker in the other one, and then they 
Actually, oh, that's probably Turlo's biggest moment is like running across the base and saying to, I think it's Nilsson that's in control of the door, like, open the fucking bulkhead. My mates are in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> is that when Nilsson goes, oh, you're here. Good. You've just been conscripted. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was amazing. That, no, that's not Nilsson. That's the commander. What's he? Vor- Vor- oh, sorry. Vor- sorry. Yeah, yeah. Nilsson's the traitor guy who's he's like manning the Oh the yeah, bridge. yeah, yeah, sorry. Well the commander's off being Commander Awesome. I actually really liked it. I really liked <laughs> Vorshak. He had a very good voice. Commander as well. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and and then episode three we end with oh yeah, just a random sea devil or group of sea devils um that have just killed Nilsson, then going your turn to Doc and Tegan. Yeah, okay, big which, warp sea devil. Yeah. And it, more than a lot of serials, actually, this one really bothered me for the number of times. I mean, it's probably twice, but um, Sea Devils or no, I think it's I think it's just the Sea Devils. Like they've been given orders to kill on site, basically, or they're just generally shooting everyone because they're attacking a base and their intention is yeah. to take control of it and fuck whoever's there. Um, they don't shoot Turlo and whoever he's hanging out with. They decide to take them captive. And then, yeah, they don't shoot Doc and Tegan and Doc gets to talk to them. And it's just like, these are literally the only three people or four people you don't shoot in the entire list. Like you are (laughs) mowing down guards left, right and center. And then it's just like, oh, wait, you're important to the plot. Hang on. I won't shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) It was just a little much in this one. (laughs) Dude, man. How would you feel about uh, assigning some sort of numerical value to this nonsense? <laughs> we can certainly have a try. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings! Shazamatron, and welcome to the hour rating section of this podcast episode. Uh, I will be uh, starting this one, partly because Jim's fingertip on tip of nose reflexes are much more honed than mine. Here we go. I'll keep this as brief as I can. So, Doc, I don't think that Doc is necessarily acting out of character here, but I do think he's acting out of fifth Doctor character. So I'm not. I don't fully agree with with what you said about that before, but I I see where you're where you're coming from. The thing is, though, like hindsight isn't worth a tinker's cuss when you're that careless with life. You know what I'm saying? So I'm afraid I'm going to have to give some minus points for Doc's behavior in this one. Uncool Doc. For the companions, Turlo is an asshat with heart, and Tegan is all heart, but acts like a bit of an ass. Okay, as for the foes, um, first, design flaw. Okay, two design flaws, first of all. Well, not design flaw necessarily, but I don't recall the Silurians had those stegosaurus dorsal bone thingies before that they do now, but it may be that they are part of their jacket, in which case... Design flaw, not in terms of the Silurians, but in terms of jackets, because that's super impractical. Uh, Yeah, I'll wear a new sweater. It's got a horn in the back. I can't lean back against anything now. I'm going to be uncomfortable for life. But still, the Silurians taking a submarine to go underwater is fantastic to me. Just like conceptually, it is fantastic because it's like the Silurians cutting out the middleman, given that they are land sea devils, just like sea devils are sea Silurians. 
So it, it's yeah, it's crazy bananas. Worst thing about both of them though, so slow, so boring, could have done without either. Greatest asset of this entire serial is the dino Merkin. The biggest flaw is the lack of lasers. I'd also like to add a point for the materialization flip-flop, that's in quotes, because that is sort of the timey-wimey of its day. And then I would immediately like to subtract that point because yikes caramba, that was some lazy techno babble. Uh, with more of a budget and perhaps more time, this could have been badass. But as it stands, I'm afraid I will not be re-watching this anytime soon. So consequently, I am giving this a rating of 2.0. Ooh, very good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so go for it. Quit stalling. Give us I your rating, stalling, dude. Yeah. I don't have a lot of notes, to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to just babble, probably. Um, <laughs> I I also have a massive, massive negative with the stupid, slow-moving Silurians and Sea Devils. Just everything. Where it's a scene with just those... I keep saying creatures. It's not fair. But anyway, creatures, it's just pretty boring. It's really badly paced. And mm. I just more and more hated every aspect of their, like the way speaking, the fact that there's a light blipping on top of the Solaran heads, the way they move, yes, the wobbling yeah. costume of the sea devils, like just more and more just, just grated on me. From the human point of view, the TARDIS team, I think the biggest problem was that the character progressions that we're seeing seem to be following the half of a yo-yo uh it's like here turlo's <laughs> caring about his companions oh no he's giving up on them at the drop of the hat tegan's trying to be useful oh no she's being an ass doc's being all nice and caring oh no he's the biggest asshole in the room like it's just what the hell is happening with any of them i have no idea which maybe is why i found myself caring a little bit more about the the humans of the week like i felt like i have actually kind of warmed to commander vorschach um, quite well i think that's probably the best portrayal of a commander i can think of in doctor who for a long time like he was he was mm. commanding like he was giving out orders and people respected him like even like you mentioned that thing where he turns to turlo and says you volunteered to defend this door is you know brilliant like yeah really, that's pretty really nice like that yeah even Nilsson as the spy, like he worked very well as a second in command and then worked very well as this subterfuging guy that's uh, scheming with the doctor. I think the doctor less so, Dr. Solo, I think it was. She was a little bit more kind of caricature of uh, a villain, perhaps. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I did. I liked the model work as well. We talked about that. Yeah, this, this Silurian submarine, if we're going to call it that. Although Doc seems to identify it as like a battle cruiser, like it's meant to go into space as well. It's not often you get something that can go in space and then can cope with the depths of the ocean because of the pressures being very, very different. Um, but yeah. whatever, their <laughs> advanced race, you know, they've got techno wobbles. I mean, what else? I mean, we talked about most things. I did hate how stupidly abrupt the ending was, but. Actually, a lot of classic serials are. I really super hated, and I have to mention this because I mentioned Turlo's school outfit, I think, on the last one. It was even worse in this because his first entrance into the TARDIS, he's coming from a side room. It looks like he's getting dressed, like he's finishing getting dressed. He's like doing his tie up or something. And he's still in that bloody school outfit. It's like, so you're telling me you do have a normal behavior. You shower, you probably shave. And then you get dressed again in that. What the fuck is wrong with you? Put on some normal adult <laughs> clothes, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> T 
Tegan, by the way, is sorry to interrupt, but Tegan is wearing a new outfit in this one. Yeah, I mean, she probably wears a new outfit in every serial. I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> like that, it's normal. You have more than one set of clothes. <laughs> Maybe he's Seth Brundles. Maybe that's it. The I think the big takeaway that I am getting from this though is Doc's ending quote: "There should have been another way." You're right. This serial had some interesting ideas. It did not pull them off. It was pretty crap. I actually did write down 2.0, and then I was as I was writing my little summaries, I was like, "Nah, it's not that good. I have to knock it off a little bit more." So I went with 1.9. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> nice okay 1.9 excellent <laughs> right oh good stuff well shall we see what podcast land has to say let's listener minis now let's hear from podcast land max 250 or it would get out of hand kablamo welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast episode we have received not one not two not three not four not five not six not seven not eight but nine listener minis and as we have been wont to do we have picked at let's call it sort of semi-random three of these nine which we will read in full and the others we're gonna uh, do some snipping read a highlight or two and the rating and obviously give a twitter shout out where possible so we're starting with the ones we're reading out in full and first out the gate is peter zunich hello peter zoomeister hello peter <laughs> Peter Stance, I'm not sure I agree with the total hate for this episode. I actually enjoy it every time I watch it. <gasps> I'll admit, though, that there are plenty of ways to improve it, so I'm going to concentrate on some retro rewrites and retro production changes. Nice. Let's uh, ping-pong these, shall we? Uh, first retro rewrite. The Doctor doesn't try to prove he's friendly by setting the base on overload. Hmm. Coolest backflip ever. Let's keep that. But no, he's not dead just because he falls into water. Next up, love the clean look and lighting, but the emergency lights should come on when the siege begins. Make it dark for parts three and four. Yes. Mm. Yes, make that nice and atmospheric. I agree with that. Maybe flooded corridors are out of budget, but let's at least make that foam door look a little better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hate the Merca, love the concept. Let's give the crew more time to properly design and finish it. Then let's never show it from the torso down. <laughs> anyway, it will look better with the lights off. <laughs> True. And also, yeah, double double underline, don't focus on its feet. For lights. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it me, or did we forget to add some audio and visual effects? We should do those. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear that there is no karate fighting the monster of the week. She just gets eaten. <laughs> yes, agreed. Nice. An important base should have at least two sync operators that both get toasted. Oh, and um, uh, lose that glowing eye when they talk. It's cool, but it's stupid. It is stupid. And uh, Peter sort of says in summary, the best part of this is not the siege, it's the moral dilemmas. Let's lose half the action and have, you know, any hint of character development. <laughs> And Peter gives this a rating of a wasted potential 2.7. Very nice, nice. Peter. <laughs> Very nice stuff. Also, I don't want to put Peter on the spot here, but he did mention, this is uh, offline, he mentioned a desire to potentially re-edit this one to add in special effects. Oh, wow where they were missing. Yeah, so I don't want to put you on the spot, Peter, but, I mean, now it's out there. The internet needs you to do this. I mean... So thank you very much, Peter. I'm not sure if it's worth it, but you go for it. <laughs> Next up, we have... <gasps> oh, it's a little bit of Ed Corbett. Well, ooh, it's, <laughs> it's Ed Corbett or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right, it's Ed. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, hello, Ed. I think of all the things, I probably, probably missed that the most. <laughs> it's been a while since we recorded one of these. <laughs> it has. It has. Hello, Ed. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hello, Ed. Ed starts, the military base sets look busy without being crammed, at least for the opening scenes. Once the combat starts, the limited size hurts them. As we see humans and Silurians with no cover, fire barrages at each other at close range and only one person dies. The Silurian costumes have improved since the Pertwee era. They still had the slow modulated voices though, which aren't easy to listen to. I genuinely thought one said, excellent Smithers, at one point. <laughs> When they talk about the murky, you can tell the writer had envisaged some sort of nightmarish, chthonic leviathan. I can only imagine his emotions as Dobbin the Panto Lizard. <laughs> Do not provide long, well-lit shots of your low-budget monsters. <laughs> oh, Ed. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Ed continues, Turlo actually tries to be useful in this one. It's as if they've decided to try and get his unreliability over as uncaring pragmatism rather than cowardice. Mm -mm. Doc seems confident that the Silurians only, only want to live in peace, heavily misremembering their previous encounters, but doesn't need much arm twisting to use toxic gas. Pretty sure that's a war crime. I like the commander's reaction to Doc. It's a nice balance of letting him know he's he assumes he's not hostile and is willing to work with him, but making it clear he doesn't fully trust Ooh, him. Oh, yes. I wish I had brought attention to that, actually. I love that. How many times he's, he yeah, says, same. well, I don't fully trust you. Preston, if he does anything bad, shoot him. <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah. Commander's great. Like, yeah. This would have got a 0 0.9 if it wasn't for <laughs> Commander Vorshak in my mind. Anyway. Uh, we are still talking about Ed's <laughs> review, and Ed concludes, The new series opens going back to basics with a traditional base under attack story. I quite like those, though, so fine. Enjoyable enough for Who fans. I wouldn't use it to introduce someone to the series, though. And Ed gives this 3.0 out of 5. Nice one, Ed. Very nice. Very nice. Excellent stuff. Thank you. Next up, last up in terms of reading the mini in full, we have... Paul Waring. Hello, Paul. Why, hello there, Paul. Paul starts, This is my favourite Fifth Doctor team, with his two most interesting companions. I especially like Turlow as someone whom the Doctor never fully trusts, albeit for good reasons. And Tegan is not afraid to get involved in the action. Mm, I guess that's true. The guest characters mm. also put in a good show, says Paul. Vorschach is a convincing commander, and his self-sacrifice feels in character. Nielsen gets the heartless, ruthless traitor spot on, particularly his comment about locking a bothersome conscience in a box. Having an enemy within adds an extra degree of tension to a plot, and it's unusual to have one who is completely unconnected to the alien attackers. Compare this with most Cybermen stories, for example. I mean, that is a good point. I know I said the exact opposite before, but yeah, that, <laughs> you make a very solid point there, Paul. Uh, Paul continues, As for effects and props, yes, the Merker would be more at home in a pantomime than a flagship BBC series, but you could say the same about the Shrivenzal in the Reboss operation and Eraso in the Creature from the Pit. The sea base sets, on the other hand, look great and sufficiently varied to give you a feeling of space rather than everything taking place in a single room. A million, a million percent agree with you. Mm. And overall, says Paul, 
I don't think a bad costume spoils what is otherwise a solid story. Would I show it as an introduction to Classic Who? Probably not. Do I watch it regularly as a fan? Absolutely. So Paul gives mm. this. You will not be surprised. Or well, maybe you will be. <laughs> Four out of five. <laughs> Holy Paul, you moly. have a huge heart. That is a fantastic mini. Oh, so happy that you gain such enjoyment from this serial. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Very, very good stuff. People of Podcast Land who happen to not be Paul Waring, please do go and follow Paul Waring on Twitter. Tell him hi from us. He can be found at P Waring. That's uh, what, Jim? Waring. Correct. Thanks, Paul. Paul. Okay, into shortened versions. All right, let's. First off, who we have? Stephen from Canada. Stephen from Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. (laughs) Um, We're going straight to the end bits for Stephen's summary. Obviously, read the rest of it on whobackwhen.com. So what we have got here from Stephen is, there's a decent story in here, but it doesn't pick up steam or do anything to make me care about the characters until most of them are dead and the story is almost over. (laughs) Overall, says Stephen, this story earns 2.3 TV shows I watched instead of this mess out of five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you very much, Stephen from Canada. Um, people who are not Stephen from Canada, read his mini in its full splendor. And high five Stephen online at S. Andriachin. Good stuff. Thank, Thank you very much, Stephen. Next up. Kieran <laughs> Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello, Kieran. Hello, Kieran. <laughs> Kieran starts Silurians, Sea Devils. Opening season 21 in style? Not really. This is widely considered to be one of the worst classic stories, and in many ways, the sign that the sun was setting on the classic era. And after that opener, you have to go to whobatwen.com to read the rest, and we skip right to the end. Kieran says, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. 1.1 out of 5. Brackets. Not my lowest this season. Holy moly, I can't (laughs) wait. (laughs) <laughs> excellent kieran yes people of podcast land read it in its full splendor on whoback1.com and high five kieran online can you be found on twitter jim why of course he can and also if you're interested into electric vans go to kj evans too <laughs> thanks kieran next up why it's dan from devon hello dan dan from devon it's dan hello dan <laughs> <laughs> We're doing some snippage here as well and jumping straight to the last few lines. Dan from Devon says, Most appropriate quote. Doc says, Anything damaged? And Tegan and the entire cast and crew, My dignity. Ouch. Yeah. (laughs) Which, after that little snippet, won't surprise you that Dan gives us a rating of 0.8 unexpected general election announcements out of 5. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm. Thank you very much, Dan from Devon. People are not Dan from Devon. Head on over to whobackwhen.com. Read this in its full splendor. Titbits include Chekhov's hexachromite gas <laughs> and Davison's shorter haircut. Uh, thank you very much, Dan from Devon. <laughs> Who's next? It's GP Haynes. What up, GP? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> The bit we are reading from GP's review is nestled middle end, and it goes something like this. Well-paced and directed and thematically on point. And the ending? Hmm. 
Well, not every story can have a Hollywood ending, right? Personally, I don't really have a problem with the high body count, which seemed to be a trend in the later Davison stories, and continued on into the Colin Baker serials as well. Oh, I... I don't have a problem either. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) No, nor I. Yeah, same. (laughs) Snip, snippity, snip, snip, snip. And JB says, All up, very enjoyable, and I felt it harken back to a fourth Doctor-style story. Nice. And GP Haynes gives this a rating of 3.9 stinky plastic elements. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. (laughs) Awesome stuff, GP Haynes. Thank you very much. Thank you, GP. <laughs> Next up, why it's Michael Ridgway. Ridgway. Hello, Michael. Hello there, Michael. Michael gave us some likes and some boofs. And we will read a couple of the likes, and they go something like this The Doctor kicking a guard in the face, and <laughs> Shogun Sea Devils. Yeah, solid likes, both of them. Uh, in the boofs section, here's uh, one example. Turlo is such an ass. There's nothing we can do. The doctor's drowned. There's clearly bubbles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't be so quick to diagnose someone as dead Turlo. Yep. Dipweed. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and the balance of the uh, like to beef ratio might have given you a clue, but maybe it will still surprise you. The, the rating Michael gives us is 4.1 out of 5 times I wanted to poke <laughs> Turlo in the eyeball. There was a whole scene where he couldn't even put his tie on properly. What value does he add to Team TARDIS? Tell me! <laughs> At a loss for words. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Excellent stuff. Just thank you in, very much, Insert Michael. big question mark there. That's your answer, Michael. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Michael. Yeah, exactly. Uh, people who are not Michael, please say hi to Michael on Twitter. You can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. And obviously read the mini in its full splendor, as with all of these truncated minis. Thank you very much, Michael. So big. (laughs) Next up, last up, it's Caleb from Australia. What up, Caleb? G'day, mate. (laughs) (laughs) We are not getting into another Australian off. (laughs) Caleb, we are reading a bit from the start, and then we got a little summary to... To look forward to at the end. Hey, hey, hello, says Caleb. Hey, hey, hello yourself. This episode reeks, seeps, and heaves potential, which is all but squandered because of a rushed production. The pieces are all there, but the puzzle was put together by an 18-year-old cat with short-term memory loss and poor bladder control. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Bravo, Caleb. Um, you've summed up my rating of yeah. 1.9, I think, in, in words I didn't know existed. Thank you. And um, doing a little bit of uh, snippage here, we're going to jump straight to the end here and say, Tegan's outfit is my charity shop dream, though. So 2.5 out of 5 from Caleb from Australia. Nice stuff. So we're leaving you with a teaser podcast land because holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes, head on over to whobackone.com. Find this episode. You know how the internet works. Read all of these minis. I'm thinking now primarily of the ones we regrettably truncated in this episode, but sod it. Read all of them uh, in their full splendor. They are fantastic. Thank you, everyone who sent in a mini for this one. Yes, thank you all. Good stuff as always. Huge, huge hugs. And I believe, Jim Cakes, that that very neatly encapsulates our Warriors of the Deep soiree. Why, I think it does. What a swore it was. Yeah. I've had a nice time. Have you had a nice time? That's a very leading question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've had a nice time. 
Um, yes, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Preston, shoot him if he hasn't. <laughs> but this is far from the last of Classic Who, because there is more on the horizon. What is the next serial that we will be reviewing, Jim Cakes? Why, in Classic Land, we will be up with some kind of awakening. That's right. Yeah. Two-parter, that's going to be easy to watch. <laughs> Before that drops, we will probably be dropping a new Who review, namely of The Doctor Falls. And at some point in the hopefully not too distant future, we'll be doing an audio Who review as well. What's that of, Jim? Apparently it will be The Reaping. Heck yes, it will be The Reaping. It's going to be totes malotes badass. Totes malotes. In the meantime, though, you can say hello to us on Twitter and in real life, if you happen to know us. Uh, Jim, where can people find you? They probably can't find me in real life, but they can find me on Twitter at Jimmy the Who. Ooh, Jimmy the Who, you say? Correct. <laughs> I've seen what you've changed your name to on Twitter. I freaking love it, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and you never do it anymore, so it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, my name oh, is sorry, Jimmy the sorry, What sorry, now. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sorry, when you least expect it, I will do it again. And when you I least promise. expect it, I'll change um, my name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Podcast Land, you can say hello to me as well. I am at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-E-N. High five me online. I will high five you right back. You have been a lovely audience as always. Please continue to stay safe. Uh, if you haven't already, get freaking vaccinated. Uh, be rad, be excellent, be wonderful to each other. Ciao, ciao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters and more which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao ciao. Who back when?